Chilling. Truth. And that's what I decided I'm going to murder my mother. I didn't feel that I had to face what I had done ever. He killed 33 times. I'm a king, man. I decide who does what and where they do it at. Uh, but yes, I see you have your pen yet again. It writes really well, dude. Yeah, it makes you be able to write things you never thought you'd be able to write, huh? Yeah, man. Like, it just kind of takes on a creative mind of its own. <clears throat> yeah. Almost like it's not a pen at all. It's crazy. It's weird. Very weird. Yeah. Yeah. So are you uh, are you ready for this? This is your debut as... Uh, <laughs> the main reader think, on the show. I don't think we need to make it a thing. I mean... I think we do. Uh, I've been reading everything for years. So it's, I think it's a big deal that you're going to be reading it now. You're tired of struggling with the English language? It's not the English language. It's other languages we talk about. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And yeah, sometimes the English language. But regardless of who's reading, uh, you are still listening to The Chilling Truth. I am Corey, and I am joined by Johnny. And uh, today, we're going to be talking about the Loomis-Fargo robbery of 1997. Now, there is a movie about this crime. It's called Masterminds. However, uh, I looked into it, and only about a third of the movie is... Uh, well, only a third, of the, a third of the movie is fictionalized to, of course, make a better movie. So most of it is not true. But some of it is. The numbers are right. Just a lot of the acts and things that happened are not. Well, let's... Not totally uh... correct. Let's go over the numbers here. So the Loomis Fargo bank robbery was a robbery of $17.3 million in cash from the Charlotte, North Carolina regional office vault of Loomis Fargo uh, and company on the evening of October 4th in 1997. So, I mean, a good chunk of change. Is that like an exact Se amount? 17.3? 17.3 million. Yeah, that's, that's the amount. Are you sure it wasn't like maybe 12 million and... You know, the bank committed, you know, their own version fraud. of their own fraud. <laughs> yeah, just said, well, this much was taken. So, yeah, they just really wanted that extra cash. Well, you know, everybody likes to get paid. So, the robbery was committed by Loomis Vault Supervisor David Scott Gant, his married girlfriend Kelly Campbell, a former Loomis co worker, Stephen Eugene Chambers, a one time FBI informant, uh, his wife, Michelle Chambers. Uh, Michael Gobbies and Bad four, last name. Yeah, Gobbies, <laughs> terrible last name. Yeah. <laughs> and four other co-conspirators. Now, when they say David Scott, who's the vault supervisor, his married girlfriend. So I'm guessing uh, common she law was, marriage or yeah, yeah, yeah. She was caught. Oh, she, she was, was married. Law, David Gant himself was okay. also married. Okay. So, an FBI criminal investigation ultimately resulted in the arrest and conviction of eight people directly involved in the heist, as well as 16 others who had indirectly helped them and the recovery of approximately 88% of the stolen money. <laughs> That's not such a high percentage. It's, this is such a funny crime, honestly, like from the beginning of when he actually – well, the, the plan is funny in itself, but then also how it's carried out just is, is also just so funny. So this robbery was the second largest cash robbery on U.S. soil at the time, as only seven months earlier, on March 29th of the same year, 
In Jacksonville, Florida, Philip Noel Johnson stole $18.8 million from the Loomis Fargo armored vehicle he was driving. Loomis Fargo's having a hard year. They're having it's a, tough a really year. tough year. I mean, are they not screening their employees? So, yeah. but clearly they're not. So Loomis Fargo was the predecessor to Wells Fargo, established in 1997 through the consolidation of Wells Fargo Armored Service and Loomis Armored Incorporated at its height. It employed 8,500 people. I can't help but feel but Wells Fargo regretted taking on Loomis Armored Incorporated because they just kept getting fucking robbed. Twice in one year. That's yeah. crazy. By its own people. Yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, yeah. So Dave not the Gant, only inside job that's ever been carried out in America. Read a fucking book or or a post on the internet about nine eleven, or go listen to our nine eleven episode. That that'd be even better. What a shameless plug that was. Inside job. So David Gant struck up a relationship with his coworker Kelly Campbell, and they continued to maintain contact even after Campbell left the company. In August of 1997, they say the relationship was not romantic, but according to the FBI investigations, this was not true. <laughs> yeah, they were yeah. fucking. So, Campbell informed Gant of an old high school friend of hers, Steve Chambers, who could assist Gant in executing a massive cash robbery of the Loomis Fargo vault in one night. Chambers had brought up the, the possibility of a robbery to Campbell earlier in the summer. What kind of friends do you have where they're like, hey, man, you should rob your company that you work for? Well, I mean... Terrible friends. Yeah, but it's... First of all, the person who gets roped into that uh, doesn't have any sense of belonging anywhere and will do anything yeah. to fit in. Uh, so, uh, while making only $8 an hour in his role as supervisor, Gant decided it was time to do something. Um and he is quoted saying, I was unhappy with my life. I wanted to make a drastic change, and I went for it. The plan was for Gant to commit the robbery and then quickly leave the country for Mexico, but to leave the bulk of the cash with Chambers. Chambers would then occasionally wire Gant money and see to his basic financial needs. When the heat was off, Gant was to re-enter the U.S., and the money would be split up among all of the co-conspirators. Eight dollars in nineteen ninety seven is twelve dollars and ninety six cents now. Okay, so it's still not that great. It's not. I mean, you you get you start out more at In and Out Burger. Yeah, right. So to just to get this into perspective, to set this straight, for you guys, because I know we've been doing a lot of talking so far, but to just lay out the plan in the simplest way, a guy whom Gant has never met before wanted him to do the most dangerous part of the crime alone, which is stealing the money. He would then flee to Mexico, again, alone, with no money, and entrusted Chambers, who, again, he has never met, to wire him, quote, basic financial needs money until the heat was off. Then Chambers, who, again, Gant has never met this man, would fly him back to the U.S. and split the money with him just because he's a nice guy. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that Gant is a very dumb man. Uh... And literally, Gant never met Chambers until he handed him the fucking money. He didn't meet him until after the robbery was over with already. Well, he was an idiot. <laughs> he was a very <laughs> a dumb person. moron, dude. Yeah. So it's just, man. I can't believe Chambers up. even stuck through it. I mean, he was good for his word, but he could have easily just left Gant. Oh, but he wasn't there. good for his word. He wasn't. We'll see that in just a minute. He was not true to his word. Oh. He sent him to Mexico with 50 grand, but that's about all he did. 
Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. He <clears throat> waited till like when that when he handed him the fifty grand the first time you met him. Yeah. Okay. So no, no, no. When he handed him the when they met to get the money for the like after the heist was over, that's when he met. That's when he. I thought that's. The first time. I thought that's when he gave him his fifty grand, or they meet again after that. I think they meet again after. That. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure he. Oh well, no, he went straight to Mexico. So yeah, you know, you're right. Okay, so with the very ridiculous plan in place, Gantt sent the newly hired employee who had been assigned to train with him home early. I mean, somebody's having a good day here. Yeah. He disabled two security cameras near the vault in preparation for the heist. Unfortunately, he failed to disable the third camera. And Classic. so you're the supervisor. How do you not? <laughs> How do you not know there's another yeah. camera? So, and so this third camera caught everything that happened next. He then proceeded yeah, to so load. Funny. Yeah, he loaded about 17.3 million in cash, uh, approximately 11 million of which was in $20 bills, into the back of a company van. I, <laughs> I don't think people realize like how hard it is to spend that money. You can't just go around town spending that money. <laughs> We're gonna see. They did not know how to spend Jeez. that kind of money. So. Outside of the building, Gant met up with Campbell, Chambers, and others who were involved in the plot and drove off to a printing business called Reynolds & Reynolds in northwest Charlotte. From there, the money was moved from the company vehicle to private vehicles. Then, keeping up with the plan, Gant took 50000 the maximum that could be, uh, by law be taken across the borders without further authorization, with him and left for Mexico, winding up at the popular Yucatan Peninsula resort island uh, of Cozumel. So, it's a terrible first place to end up, I think. No, I mean, running to Mexico seems like a bad idea anyway. Well, I feel like there's a lot of American employees, you know, government employees that are at those resorts, and they can kind of find people. Right. Like, super fast. Well, we're going to see that's pretty much how he gets caught. Yeah. So, when the rest of the Loomis Fargo employees showed up the next morning and found that they couldn't open the <laughs> vault... They called the police because Gant was the only employee who wasn't there that morning. He uh, became the obvious suspect. <laughs> it's just so fucking Jesus. Stupid, this is before dude. checking the camera, of course. That suspicion was immediately <laughs> confirmed by a quick glance at the security camera footage that showed Gant doing a little dance after loading all the cash into the van. Have you seen the movie before? Have you seen Master? I have, yeah. I, Whatever Zach Galifianakis. We talked about spin. it. Well, we talked about the other day the whole scene. Like, yeah, because it's one of my favorite scenes. It gives me anxiety just watching oh, yes. him lock himself in this van <laughs> in the bank <laughs> with all, all the money. money in it. And there's a camera in the in in the van. Yeah, in the movie. Man, anyway. I wish that had happened. I wish that's how. But it yeah, you were saying so that it funny. didn't really. It, it, that's one of the false. Scenes. Yeah, unfortunately. Okay. Man. <clears throat> well, it was good for um, dramatic purposes. Good. Yeah, it was good for TV. Yeah, cinematic reasons, yeah. Um, <laughs> this next part, I swear to fucking God, these guys are so fucking stupid. So when the rest of the Loomis Fargo employees showed up, no. Okay, so yeah. within two days, even... the investigators found the van with $3 million <laughs> in cash and the security camera tapes inside. Like you're just carrying all the evidence with you. Like just <laughs> keep it all in one location. Why even? Why even take it? Why the, even take it? <laughs> the thieves had simply abandoned whatever they couldn't carry away. It was an open and shut case, and all authorities had to do now was to find the culprit and identify Gant's accomplices. I completely understand. Like if you've got seventeen million, fuck it, three million. I leave it behind. I can't. And a pocket change. It's not the end of the world. Yeah. 
you just got to get away. But t- why even take the tapes from the place yeah, if you're just going to leave them in the uh, in insane. the company van? Oh my god! There's a reason Masterminds was a comedy and not a serious crime movie because they're all fucking idiots. Did you ever see uh, the Curse of Inferno? I've seen the Green Inferno, but no, I haven't seen the one you're talking about. <clears throat> Maybe we've talked about this before, but the Curse of Inferno is more of a serious role that Polly Shore tried to take on years ago. <laughs> I can't see that going well. It was well, it was it was a horror movie. I like the movie because I am a Polly Shore fan, so I appreciate it for what it is, and it's just work by Polly Shore. So, it, it, the premise before this, he was always the weasel. I mean, that's really what ruined his career. Yeah, he was like a funny guy. He was always like a snake type of. Fine. He was only the weasel. Like, he only knew how to play yeah. the weasel. Like, I've seen him live do his stand-up, and it's basically just the life and death of Polly Shore, like, just him talking about his career. And, yeah, he's still, like, listening to him talk, he's still, he's still riding that weasel wave. Anyway, so... He still just acts that way. So he joined, he, he starts this movie, and it's filmed in my hometown in Texas. And nice. he, him and his buddy, they live in this farmhouse that was actually, it. I mean, it no longer exists now. It was, like, a... It, it was an old farmhouse. It wasn't even standing mm-hmm. on its own anymore, and they finally leveled it, and it's just an open field now. But one of my parents' friends' parents or grandparents, that was their house. So we used to go over there when I was really little, and we just run around the farm. And in the movie, they lived in that house. And nice. they, so the premise is, long story long, it, him and his buddy are roommates. They're trying to get out of this town called Inferno, and it's one of those towns where you get sucked into and you can never leave. And they have this brilliant idea of robbing the bank. But they're both <laughs> like dumbasses. They don't really know the first thing about armed robbery or even they just they're not very smart individuals. Um they're just gonna rob the bank and then get out of town. <coughs> well, they without a plan, they go in there with these I don't even know if they're real guns, but they go in and as they uh just as they are about to yell, put your hands up, and they're about to commence robbing this bank actual bank robbers come in and start robbing the bank. And <laughs> so like, they're like held up in, I think he managed to get a, a, a bag of money somehow, but then, yeah, and he hit it uh, under, or he hit it in the ceiling in the bathroom. I don't want to ruin it. it. It's an old movie. If you haven't seen it, you haven't seen it, but yeah, it, it just such a ridiculous premise. Cause it was two dumbasses trying to rob a bank. And I don't even know if this was based on a true story. It might not have been, but, uh, yeah, actual bank robbers came in and just derailed the whole plan. And the rest of the movie was them trying to get the money out of the ceiling or something. Kind of similar to how 9-11, they were running war games, and then actual 9-11 happened. Oh, okay. Look into it, people. It was a huge stretch. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> All right, so Campbell... It's exactly it, the same. Yeah, so Campbell and Chambers made themselves easy to catch. Uh, what with their lavish spending. Uh, oh, my God. I it, these people. Chambers... Chambers had known enough to insist that no one blow through a ton of cash immediately after the robbery, but once he actually had his hands on the money, he couldn't follow his own advice. Uh, Chambers and his wife, Michelle, moved out of a trailer uh, and into a luxury mansion in a nice neighborhood. <laughs> like, it's just such a huge leap. <laughs> it's so obvious that yeah. you just somehow came into a bunch of money right after the Yeah, dude. Problem. No lineage of having <laughs> any kind of financial stability. Uh, right. So... Uh, which I'm sure if you ask any retired big-time robber, this was the dumbest move he could have made, aside from doing it in the first place. 
Uh, I don't know how many big time robbers you know, but if you, you know, happen to ask them, that's probably what they'd say. You can look it up on YouTube. There's a lot of ex-criminals. Oh, I guess so. I've done that with the cartel. Yeah. Like ex-gang members. Ooh, those cartel videos where they talk about, ooh, I'm going to look that up. It sounds interesting. They're they're pretty good. Um, so, but, uh, but of course, then they had to decorate that spectacular new space. And so they spent tens of thousands of dollars on things like cigar storage, Indian, (laughs) uh, cigar store Indians. It's so Uh, trashy. Yeah. Uh, Paintings of Elvis and a bulldog dressed up like George Patton. Of course they did. Who wouldn't uh, want that? You know, yeah. <laughs> they, they had uh, fine China, China dining ware, but they would serve Kentucky Fried Chicken on it, I'm sure. Exactly. <laughs> kind of like Teledega Nights where they have like a huge <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Chocolate dinner. Uh, yeah, Doritos <laughs> shit. And, uh, and drinking Powerade. <laughs> so... Chambers and his wife also made some cash payments on a few cars. Uh, then Michelle made a trip to the bank. She wondered how this much she could. Jesus Christ! She wanted to see how much she could deposit without <laughs> attracting the attention of the FBI. So she decided to just ask the teller, uh, "How much can I deposit before you have to report it to the feds?" <laughs> Don't worry, it's not drug money. That's yeah, a fucking quote. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's what she said to the teller, and she oh winked at her. Uh, in, <laughs> it's not drug money, which now makes it sound like it's drug money. <laughs> yeah. So in spite of Chambers' assurance that the money was, you know, totally not illegally acquired, <laughs> the teller remained suspicious, especially because these stacks of cash still had Loomis Fargo wrappers <laughs> on them. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Uh, uh, can oh you hold God, your money? How much money so can far. I give back to you? <laughs> and you just don't say nothing about it. <laughs> It had the rappers just take them off. Do now, well, he was relaxing on a beach in Cosmo, Mexico. He left his wedding ring behind and spent his days spending money on luxury hotels and scuba diving. Uh, when he, when, when asked what the dumbest thing was that Gant spent money on, he admitted, "This is what him saying." The boots I bought in one day. What can I say? They were nice, and I was impulse shopping. You have fifty fucking thousand dollars, and that was your impulse buy. It was just new Four boot, pairs of boots. new boot goofing. You know, no big deal. <laughs> yeah, man, new boot goofing. <laughs> so uh, naturally, Gant started to run out of cash and turned to Chambers, who was annoyed by his request for more money. Uh, so Chambers decided to solve the problem by putting a hit on Gant. <laughs> <laughs> Gant stole the fucking money. Uh, he's, like, he's, the, he's the one in charge, in my opinion. But the hit, I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's what I, I always go to when people annoy me. Is, is yep, it's time to kill him. Uh, so once the hitman Chambers had hired <laughs> arrived in Mexico, he found that he couldn't bring himself to kill Gant. Instead, the two started hanging out on the beach together and became friends. <laughs> the nicest and worst hitman of all time. <laughs> oh, you can't get to attest your work, dude. <laughs> So just, you can't look him in the eye. You got to just do it. You got to make it happen. Well, the, the FBI didn't have a hard time solving this case, probably because, again, no. they were all idiots. <laughs> they probably had rookie FBI agents oh, solve it. Oh, my God. Finally, in March of 98, the oh, FBI God. traced a call from Gant's phone, and he was arrested in Mexico. Chambers, his wife, and several of their accomplices were arrested the next day. They got away with it for six months. Six months? That's, that's nothing. It's dude. really not. In the end, Jeez. eight co-conspirators were indicted for the Loomis Fargo heist. Because the money in the vault was largely from banks, the crime was technically a bank robbery and thus a federal offense. In total, 24 people were convicted, 
All but one of the indicted pleaded guilty. Um, also charged with several innocent relatives uh, uh, that the robbers had enlisted to help get safety deposit boxes in various banks. <laughs> or their um, Luba's Fargo wrapped cash. Yeah, so Gant was sentenced to seven and a half years in prison, though he was released on parole after five. Chambers served 11 years before being released. All of the cash from the Loomis Fargo heist <coughs> was recovered or accounted for, except for $2 million. Gant has never explained where that money went. After Sounds his, to me like he bought more than four pairs of boots. Well, I mean, you got to bury some of it so when you get out of prison, you can't be charged for the same crime twice. So you make sure that they yeah, don't find double it. Double jeopardy. Yeah. So exactly. after his release, Gant took a job as a construction worker and was eventually brought on as a consultant for the 2016 movie Masterminds based on the Loomis Fargo heist. But because uh, he still owes millions to the IRS, he couldn't be paid. Uh, (laughs) I work construction. I'll never pay it off on my paycheck. (laughs) Yeah, so... (laughs) This is hilarious, dude. So yeah, that's it. That's, That's the heist. A bunch of morons just being morons. People being people. Yeah, dude. I mean, just, there was no planning to it. The most they planned is, like, just actually getting the money. And then after that, they were like, well, what do we do now? And then that was the end. It's like they, they were all in the right spot. They made good, uh, a good, like, good talking points in a plan. But bridging those locations <laughs> and points together, no, they just didn't have it in them. It all went to yeah. shit. And then him putting the hit on Gant, I feel like, I feel like it's why he got more time than Gant did. Because Gant actually did the robbery. So you would think that he would get more time, but I think Chambers got more because of the hit. And oh yeah, I'm sure that tacked it on. But yeah, what do you? As a judge, you're looking at this guy who put out a hit, but the guy used became BFFs with this dude that he's supposed to have the hit on. I, 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 I was just looking at me like you're an idiot. You're a, you're all idiots. It, literally, they're all fucking idiots, dude. This is a rather short episode, though, actually. It's only, uh, like, 22 minutes right now. Oh, yeah. That's fine. A short one's okay. It's enough for uh, people to drive to work, and maybe they'll drive to and from work. Well, work 20 minutes. People have heard enough. In their place. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. We'll I'm... have another episode next week, so don't you don't you worry your pretty little heads about that. I've been, I've been reading some books. Uh, literally read two books this week. It's uh, very nice to be reading again. That is, and reading that something that's not a script that I wrote. So uh, we'll have some some stuff coming up in the near future. Uh, Johnny did a very good job, I would say, on this episode. Thank you. I would clap if it wouldn't shatter the eardrums of all the listeners right now. Uh, it's nothing to applaud. I just read and you know <laughs> talked about you know it wasn't you know it was cool. So humble. It was an interesting one. Yeah, man. You know. I- <laughs> I do it now for we're the people, the rest of the time. <laughs> you know, really for the children. You know, I just, oh when your God. heart, when your heart is in the right place, just nothing seems like a chore, you know? So you're saying you love doing the show? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, it's a Sunday. I'm not watching football. I haven't watched any football, not because I'm protesting. That's ridiculous. I love football. I just don't have like regular TV or don't you go to? Oh, you guys can't go to a bar or anything. Either. I don't like going to bars. It's like, who does? I mean, a lot of people like going to bars. I'm just saying. Um, I don't. Yeah, it's just not not my thing. I don't want to go to a sports bar. Or whatever. Well, anyway, so thank you guys for listening. Uh, be sure to tune in next week. We'll have another episode for you. 
Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at How the Dad's Chill. You can follow Johnny at Johnny Two Jokes. You can follow the show at The Chilling Truth Podcast. Be sure to go leave us a review on iTunes. We really appreciate that. And we will catch you guys on the flippity flip. Later. Later.